This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast with your co-host, myself, Piers Linney, my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Dr. Alok Shukla. Hello, Alok. Hey, Piers, how are you? I think you're going to be jealous. I've got my uh, Hadron, large Hadron Collider mug. <laughs> I have my brother. My daughter. I have my brother. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. And my daughter, uh, she sent me, she goes, that's, you pay for all that school, that's what you get, a mug. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Um, so we've got a quite interesting one today. So we're going to talk about some, I mean, absolutely insane developments in artificial yeah. intelligence. I mean, you know, we think everybody knows about this stuff, but obviously a lot of people don't because we're sort of immersed in it. So some developments just show you, we're talking about this exponential curve. We're going to talk about that, where we are on it. And this is a good evidence of it sort of, kick, sort of ticking up. Um, we've got some events. So we probably see us publicizing quite a few events. If you signed up, you'll get some emails about it. We've got to check our social media. The main one's the Elite Business Live Workshop. That we're doing so it's like an interactive breakout at the elite yeah. business live event so if you can get down there physically then you know get down there it's in st paul's it's on the 13th of march so we're going to do a great location yeah it's, it's it's just a hotel just literally next to st paul's in central london and we're doing an interactive breakout session called uh how to build an ai assisted organization and what we're finding is that you know we talked to a lot of our client, our growing list of clients now, which is amazing. But it's important that people understand the basics really, because the technology is moving very, very quickly. If you're sort of still here, the asymmetry of information, the ability to catch up is it could be quite a struggle. So that's what we're trying to do to help you do that. We find that like coming down physically in person has been like a breakthrough for many people, and we highly recommend that because many people have a block in their mind when it comes to AI, and they sometimes have questions they don't have. We often find the questions and the conversations we have in the interactive, you know, Q&A sessions with the audience is, is some of the most insightful bits because it really helps people get what the opportunity is. So we highly recommend you come down for this live event if you want to kind of like break through and get to that next level. Because right now, the people that are becoming the winners in their sectors, this is where it's all starting. Yeah, we mentioned that last week's pod, actually, the McKinsey research, that so the people that are becoming AI leaders are getting ahead and likely to stay ahead as well. I'm doing a few keynotes early March, 6th, 7th of March at the AI and Big Data shows. There's an AI and Big Data show in London and there's a Tech London show. So I'm going to do a keynote at the Tech London show and I'm doing a fireside chat about, again, implementing AI in your business at the um, AI and Big Data show. So we're looking forward to that. So today we're going to go through this the news, there's some mind-boggling news. And so, so all, as we always say, our news is always focused on AI for business, you know, and not sort of consumer ways of using AI to you know, draw pictures for your kids, which is all very exciting, clearly. But it's really about how you implement it for your business. And our theme, we've got the theme really in Q1 this year, going back to basics. So last week was about our foundational white paper about building an AI-assisted organization. This week, we're going to be talking about and reintroducing, because you can go and read it, so go to um, our public QR codes up in a minute, uh, go in a website, go to AI.io forward slash AI hyphen toolkit, and you can download our um, white papers. I wrote one called The Augmented Workforce. And it's about the future of AI agents. So we're going to be augmented as humans, not replaced for a long period of time. So we're going to talk about that today. Gives a new word to the meaning hybrid workplace. It does. Let's, let's just put up the um, QR code, actually. So if you haven't got the toolkit, you can go and get that. So there's been some bonkers news. We're going to start with that, which is um, OpenAI. This is the organization that built ChatGPT. So it's becoming one of the leaders in AI, if not the lead already. They launched literally out of the blue. It's announced it on um, their blog and on Twitter, uh, Sam Altman, a text-to-video model. You might think, okay, so what, we had that for a while. So you have things like um, Runway ML, we've talked about quite a bit on the pod, where you know you type in a prompt and it creates a scene. And you were getting kind of four seconds, and then it was eight seconds. And the issue was that if you see these AI videos, they flicker a lot because you get your four seconds, 
we had to do then was take the yeah. last frame of that video, obviously that 24 sort of frames and 24 to 30 frames uh, a second in the video. He took the last frame, he tried to extrapolate from that. However, at that point, AI would always change something, so it flickered a lot. Now, what they launched is, and again, remember, we always say this, AI is the worst today it's ever going to be. So what they're launching is not what they've got back in the tool shed. So they launched, you know, I think it was ChatGPT4 in, was in March last year. Well, they had that six months before. So what we're seeing now is just, the, uh, Mark Holman's also said this, that they're kind of easing us into the uh, into what's possible. Anyway, so what this is, you can write a prompt, go and look on um, my social media as well. I did a little video about it on LinkedIn and you get 60 seconds, which is quite a long period of time of video. When I say video, I mean, it understands physics, it understands reflections, it understands, you know, they've got to fly through an old wild west town, there's horses, you know, some horses have necks that are too long. Again, six months ago, you might have seen the meme going around of Will Smith eating spaghetti, spaghetti everywhere. It's not even going in his mouth. It's just, it's just kind of spawning out of nowhere and disappearing. And he's actually, he's actually retweeted a, a real video of me eating spaghetti as a bit of a laugh, but this is unbelievable. And the unbelievable part was freak people out because we all consume video. Video is the hardest thing to do is that it's so real. It's HD. It's going to be twice as good within a year and people just cannot understand how the physics works. So OpenAI is saying that they've got some emergent capabilities have appeared in this model that allow it to understand physics. Yes. So let's not call it text to video, basically a world simulator. And and the it's, world it's like Unreal. It's like Unreal Engine. Yes, isn't it? exactly that. It's exactly that. So like so the thing is like to create text to video, it learned how objects interact in the world. Like for example, I watched a video of these two pirate ships um, battling each other in a cup of coffee and you see the coffee like you know like swirling and then the droplets and you see the behavior of, of, the, of the of the ships and everything like this and then I've seen for example like animals close up I've seen like octopus I've seen like even a bird's eye and human eye. like I would not know that this is not but that was what that was why there's so a water for example was the hardest thing to do in CGI I mean that's why the avatar or hair. Or hair. Or, or hair. hair, yeah. That's what Avatar, I think it took them so long to do one based around water. But that coffee cup you mentioned, the coffee, you can see the waves, you know, smashing the size of the cup. Yeah. So let's just say, first of all, Shutterstock, you know, like um, Getty Images, all these sorts of businesses. I mean, they're going to, it's going to be challenging when you can have like perfect HD, whatever you want in video form, whenever you want it, right? Why are you going to want? Well, I guess better. <laughs> so Eleven Labs. So Eleven Labs, as you know, we, we're a part. We, a part we've got Eleven Labs grants that implement implement AI. They then have then launched. I guess this was also coming the ability to create the sound effects on the fly. So imagine now yeah. you create a video of a horse, you know, I don't know, some horse walking down some cobblestone street in London back in the Victorian period. And it can look at the video and say, okay, well, that's a horse on cobbles. So it creates the sound that matches when the, the horse is hitting yeah. the ground. And, and they've launched that. Well, I, as saw, they, I think they previewed it. I saw like they were putting sound effects to gifts. You know that one of like um, Homer Simpson where he's like in a hedge and he suddenly starts like going back into the hedge to disappear into the hedge basically. Like they, they released the soundtrack like truck for that. Like so you can hear the, the leaves rustling and everything. But it's insane basically. Like I mean the creative like filmmaking, you know, the corporate video, advertisements, all those sorts of like video content for adverts and stuff is going to become much more fantastical. Like really what's going to be the difference between Coca-Cola and someone, a teenager in the living room? Like what's the difference basically, right? If they're both using you know, open AI system or different things like this. Like, you know, Netflix, for example, like there was a whole suite of like production studios that had launched up to like take advantage of like the, you know, you know, 
the streaming TV services and stuff like this. But like now anyone can do this stuff. It's just quite mind boggling. I mean, so, so I think we, we talked on this pod about a year ago, but not a year ago, we haven't been around for a year, six months ago about the days coming where you will just talk to your TV and it'll create a film on the fly with the story and characters you want, right? That looked like a long way away beginning of this year. Now it doesn't. It's probably, I'm guessing two years away. I mean, you could, you could say like, I want to watch more Breaking Bad create more episodes for me, you know, like uh, from, from something which didn't, didn't occur and it'll just like, it can, it can do this stuff like this. It's, it's really quite, quite insane. Oh, well, you, you can put yourself in it. Anyway, this is, it's really exciting because it is super, super powerful. But as Alex said, a couple of things are important for AI for business. One is what Alex said there is, is that very soon you are going to have, you're not going to be completely unfettered capability to create content, the highest quality for your business, animation, videos, images, product shots, whatever you want, you'll be able to prompt it. And be, you'll be able to tell from almost a studio-made output. Second thing to remember is this is exponential. So we had Will Smith eating spaghetti all over the place. Now you've got Sora. What we're going to have in, you know, a year's time, two years' time, yeah, that, that curve, that exponential curve we talk about quite a lot. We're now at the, we're in the foothills of it. Now we're beginning to enter the, the more vertical bit of it as well. And the last thing to always remember is this is the worst it's ever going to be today. And what we're seeing now is not the cutting, bleeding edge. That's just what they're willing to show us. And what Sam Altman said, and, he, and there's been a lot of um, talk about this, is that Sora were almost showing you just to warm you up to what we've really got. And we'll leave that there. It's one, the one thing, but it's called AI for business. There's <laughs> one thing with AI for business, because like I was watching a um, translation of Vladimir Putin's um, interview with Tucker Carlson, and it had been done with like, you know, the, the, the lip sync and the voice, and he was speaking in his own accent in English. and it, it was very engaging. So, so like, again, with this kind of video content, like, now you can be in multilingual any language, you can create any kind of content you want, you can put yourself into any scene. You really, like, the way you can communicate as a company, you you have no limits now. Well, anything that comes out to the Carlton's mouth is engaging for all the wrong reasons normally. Anyway, anyway um, so Sovereign AI, this is another one moving on. So, essentially, uh, every, this is um, open AI trying to raise, you know, five or seven trillion. You're seeing some nation states like the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, very interesting in becoming a kind of an AI first state almost. What you need though is is the commitment, the mindset, and a huge amount of infrastructure. What people are saying is this is just with Jensen Huang, the CEO founder of NVIDIA, saying that you're going to develop nation state AI, so sovereign AIs, and this is going to be incredibly powerful. And again, any country, any nation state, and I kind of push this quite a lot. I was anthropy last year talking about this to you know the, the great and the good about we have to, especially in the UK or any country, understand that. If you get left behind in this race, it's not the space race. Get left behind in this race, you're done. It's the last race. Yeah, it's the last race. And some and some countries, I think, like the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, they have the money, they have the need because you know we're moving out of a fossil fuel sort of a uh, based economy, and they see the opportunity and they're going after it quite hard. So it's an enormous um, opportunity to transform all our sort of societies, economies into AI first ones. And there's no point being, if you're a historian, you know the Luddites pushing back on this. I mean, a lot of people freaking out about Sora. That's not going to stop the development of um, this technology. All right, moving on. So going back to OpenAI, chat GPT attesting memory. So if you use um, large language models, the frustration is often you have to keep going back and telling it everything you want, you wanted to keep to retain the context. Now in chat GPT plus, you've got things like custom instruction, where you can give information about you, what you want, what you're trying to do, um, how you want it to relate to you, which is very, very helpful. You'd have to repeat yourself. What you really want to have a real kind of 
operating system is we have RAM now almost. We haven't really got sort of, you know, a hard drive. So what they're saying is that ChatGPT is going to have memory uh, over time where it'll remember everything you've done and learn from it. So it'll know what you like, it'll know what you ask for, it'll know how you write even. Now, very powerful, but also some massive privacy issues. So I'll afford to that. Now, on LLMs, so Google Gemini, we launched, we mentioned this last week, again, going back to the pace of change, they launched Google Gemini. So they've kind of now combined all their brands, you know, Bard's gone into Gemini. So you've got Gemini Nano, Gemini um, Bro, is it? And Gemini, the well, it's confusing. You've got the Nano, which is a small one, we work for devices. You've got Pro, which is the middle one. Then you've got the, the big one, but they've called it Advanced. It was called Ultra, but the product you buy is now Advanced. Anyway, they're now launching, it was uh, announced by uh, DeepMind, Gemini 1.5. And, and the big news here seems to be, I, I'm, sure it's a, I'm sure it's a better model, but it seems to be the context window is a million tokens. Yes, yes. So this is this is actually astronomical because they've shown some quite mind blowing examples. Like number one, like for example, this means that you can have one up to one million, or I've seen even one point five million multimodal tokens. I want to come back to that, right? So they've shown, like for example, they they put a huge amount into the prompt because now you've got like a million tokens in the prompt. You can have literally anything in there. So they they, they found a language that was spoken by less than two hundred people that the AI had never seen, mm-hmm. and they trained it on more than four hundred pages worth of conversations, and it was able just from the prompt, just from loading in the prompt, to understand and converse in that language. That's insane. Then I saw examples where they actually loaded in a video. So you just load in a video, for example, and it was like a YouTube video, and then it said like, "Where in this forty-five minute video is?" someone taking a piece of paper out of someone's pocket and what is on that piece of paper and it detected it immediately and it said straight away i mean there's a few minutes of processing but it found it straight away and then they did another thing where they actually sketched basically like a stick diagram of a person in front of like a water canister but it's just a sketch and said where is this scene in the film and it detected it as well so the power of like having one million context tokens and they, they, they also did things where they put in like historical novels and they changed one thing let's just say in charles dickens book they wrote like he took out his iPhone 6 or something like that, right? Just one place like in, in the whole book. And he detected all of those things just by saying what anomalies are within this, basically. So the panel... That, that, that's quite powerful, isn't it? But, 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 but the, it's illegal, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because they struggle to find in big documents and the video is a big document, essentially. These small snippets, don't they? Yes. And now you've got basically almost precision recall on this. I think what we have to like draw the line here is like we've already, ex- we, we passed the Turing test a while ago and there wasn't much of a fanfare about that basically where you wouldn't know if you're dealing with a human or, te- or a machine. And like I would have expected there would have been like more fanfare about that. But now we're just exceeding the capability in, in, all, in all spheres. No human can go through 400 to 600 pages of text and detect two or three anomalies no one can do that. Well, it's better than that. A million tokens is essentially the entire Harry Potter series of books you can upload. And, and a video, I mean, you couldn't do that, you know, a couple of months ago. Uploading a video, now I to understand and sort of, and, and it's using this mixture of experts, isn't it? So there's different ways you can use LLMs. And I think Gemini 1.5 or Gemini, whatever they're going to call it, is using a, a technique where, I don't know do how it works, but it's, it's more about not having one LLM in one context window. It's using kind of, almost like expertise built into it. 
But this unlocks so many applications, like from proofreading, from quality assurance, from even like, you know, security camera monitoring for like, you know, can you imagine the police being able to like deconstruct the movements of what happened in, in an area, you know, like over the last four days, for example, and then see like, was this person spotted and stuff like this? Like all, all these sorts of things, the power of these systems to be integrated into like real life use cases is astronomical. What's driving this is is competition. So, you know, you've got ChatGPT, you've got Google, and you can see that they literally launched Gemini last week. Now they're talking about Gemini 1.5. And you got Sora, then you've got 11 Labs, uh, uh, they announced just the sound effects capability. It's, it's fascinating, but competition and the money behind this technology, because winner takes all almost, is, is what's driving it. Let's move on. So Amazon have developed a sort of large model, which is a text-to-speech model. So we use these quite a lot, and you may, you may have noticed in our sort of audio and, and voice agents as well. And this is called a big adaptive streamable TTS with emergent abilities, catchy name. And by emergent abilities, you're seeing this in Sora. What this is, is that, for example, you train a large language model in English. It reads a book about how to learn Spanish. It's written in English. Uh, it's got the, the two languages and it learns Spanish. And you're seeing in Sora that I think what they're saying is, is that it's not just creating, um, you know, 24 frames in a second. What it is saying is, here's a snowball and it's been thrown against a wall. And it understands the concept of the snowball and the physics. That's what it's tracking, actually, not just creating lots of still images and put them together, slam them all together to make a video. So you're seeing emerging capabilities. Now, what's interesting about the Amazon model, I think is, I'm gonna read some of the things here, is that it can handle things like uh, compound nouns, emotions, like, oh gosh, you know, exclamation mark, which you're not very good at quite now. Foreign words, so the English language had quite a few foreign words in there, called the stack, for example. So it'll use those. Readable non-words, things like shh. So what it is doing is making the, the language more sort of human as to the point where we won't be able to notice complex punctuation, questions, rhetorical questions. And you don't see it a lot currently in the models, but that's where it's going as well. So again, text to speech within a year um, will be indistinguishable from a human. I mean, like just as an example, right? Like, so with the voice agent that we use, like we've got like one our, our voice agent, Jess, like the dad of the real Jess. So we, we got like one of our, someone we know very well and she lent her voice to it and her dad did a call with it. And it was quite interesting because he said it was very human, very lifelike. And he found it like very difficult to like not slip into a normal conversation, basically. Like, uh, so, so even when you like the, the humanness of these voices is becoming powerful. Moving on, Sam Altman again, OpenAI, we also can't really avoid them really, these, these recordings, is that they're talking about GPT-5 really. So and what they're saying is that, you know, GPT-4, <laughs> he said this. So GPT-4, the thing we were excited about, what it can do, he said you can compare that to the early mobile phones. This is, um, Alor, this is your, your sna Nokia snake moment. So he's saying that GPT-4, and he said this when they launched uh, exactly. this last year as well, that it's going to be quaint. So he's saying that GPT-5 it's going to be smarter and faster across the board. So in terms of all modalities, in terms of everything it currently does, it's going to be smarter and faster. How, how smarter and how faster, we don't know. Even incremental changes here, it compounds. They have a, a huge um, impact on the abilities model. So we don't know when GPT-5 is coming, um, whatever it, whenever it does. Uh, if you're looking at what Sora can do now, there's going to be some world-changing, I guarantee it. Remember our words, we said this in our predictions at the end of last year as well. It's going to be some world-changing developments. Yeah, and like they, they already, like GPT-4 is, is still the strongest model in many situations, basically, right? Like uh, other companies have not caught up yet, like, and they're going to about push out five. So there's going to be some really interesting things where they talked about like how it could control screens and do different things, but like we're moving into the, what we call the agentic form of AI, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on. 
I think I think Gemini is getting there. If you're sort of a, for Google, but still across the board, if you look at things like Sora. Yeah, yeah, they don't have. I subs- I subscribe to the Gemini. Like I don't have the Pro one, but I subscribe to the normal one just as part of my Google Workplaces thing, and I didn't like it. You know, like uh, it's not a good interface. It's just it's quite fast though. I mean, I've, I've got the advanced one, the, the Pro Ultra, whatever they call it, which is the product is called Advanced. It's fast, definitely a lot faster than OpenAI, but it hasn't, it hasn't got all the capabilities. The image rendering is not as good, for example. And we, we might have our first use case for image, image for vision, haven't we? Which we'll yeah. see when we do that. Right. So a couple of things, a couple of legal things. We, we always follow the copyright because copyright is quite important um, as you're in business. So US copyright claims all these authors saying that it's been using our works. It's, it's a copyright infringement. They've kind of been, they keep getting thrown out. So we're not seeing that. That's how copyright law is going to be applied. It's more similar to, you know, you read a book, you're inspired, and you create some other artwork. You know, they can't argue that you've copied or breached copyright. So that's a good thing. There's a public policy issue there as well, because if they were winning these cases, you know, they're going to become very, very wealthy because everything that um, these large hours models churn out, they're going to get paid for, or it's going to hold it back. So I'm I'm quite glad to see that. And just a little one as well, which I found quite interesting, is that I think his Air Canada chatbot hallucinated some policy, I don't know quite what the situation was, like Q&A, FAQ or policies. And then it went to court and the court held that they couldn't blame the large language model. You know, it was their chatbot, it was their Canada, it was it was presented as their policies and therefore they're liable and they've got to pay out. That's quite an interesting one about going forwards, about checking and having checks and balances. This is why the mixture of experts model works quite well. But having um, checks and balances on things end up becoming contractual. And uh, as a lawyer, you know, the, the offer, the acceptance, the consideration, you need all that. That comes down to like how the way they have the policy set up. That comes down to like also like what they use the AI for. That's why like in terms of like capturing data versus like, you know, suggestions. There's there's many things that kind of like they didn't do in that situation basically with the really I was quite I was quite surprised though that you need LLM to create po- policies are they're fixed in time normally. So I don't quite know why there's generating policies. Anyway, just an interesting point there about the, the legality that something to think about if you're in business. And the last thing really is is that the US this is about deep fakes and NFT. We talked about this before as well, is that as you see more and more content becoming indistinguishable from things created by individuals or being individuals, deep fakes, or be created by studios or news outlets, NFTs are probably gonna find their their use case. And it's not gonna be, you know buying some uh, digital monkey. It's going to be that all content is going to be, need to be verified or essentially watermarked. And the US president, uh, Joe Biden, has floated the idea of cryptographically verifying all official communications. And I think it's not just going to be official communications. Eventually, it's going to be all communications. You're going to have an NFT when your mum calls you to make sure it is your mum telling you to send her some money. Yeah, it's going to get complicated because even if you try and watermark something, if you screenshot the thing, it disappears and all that kind of stuff. So like, yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be challenging. Let's put it that way. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, so two-factor authentication. Your mum, your mum is going to send you an SMS to, to verify it's you, basically. You know? that, that's what that's what you're going to need. You're going to you're going to need two-factor authentication on everything because not not everyone's going to have access to systems and understand how to use it to create and apply NFTs and you know and have it sort of linked to a blockchain. So that's just this week. Um, you know, who knows what will happen next week. So it's all very exciting. Again, trying to focus on AI for business. We've got a several white, white papers. We're going to talk about one in a moment. So if you haven't got them, there's a QR code up there. You can use that to go and download our um, toolkit. We have our AI side and newsletter. We're just about to sort of revamp our website, actually. So if you get there, it isn't quite a lot the way we just described it. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to find these things. Just about to update that because things have moved on. So we have an AI side and newsletter. We're launching a sort of a resource center. 
all this stuff was going to be designed, which you can sign up to. AI training. So again, we say this every week. Typically, a lot of our clients start with training or AI boardroom briefing. That's going to level up your senior leadership team. And the training courses, if you go to our AI, um, implementai.io forward slash training, I'll put the um, QR code up there as well. You can see all of our courses, prompt engineering, AI fundamentals, all the way through to quite advanced sort of innovation. And Microsoft Copilot's one as well. So go and download those. And the one we focus on normally is AI Activate. So that's our 60-day sprint. It's your first step on how to start implementing AI policies, training, upskilling your team, looking at workflows, processes, automating them, an MVP. By the end of it, you understand the technology, power of it, how it can impact your business and how you implement it. And you've got a roadmap to go and do that. Right, so this week, our theme moving on is going to be, again, our second white paper, AI Agents. This is kind of what we do, Alok, isn't it? Uh, is develop AI agents, um, these AIs that augment humans. Humans have jobs, right? And bet the, in the longer term, all bets are off, right? Today, AIs don't do jobs. What they're very good at is are doing tasks. So if your job description has 20 tasks in, there's five that you really enjoy, really meaningful, maybe 10, so let's call it five, and there's 15 that are mundane, things you have to do, but you'd rather not. What we're trying to develop at AIs, they can do some things that humans can't do, like analyzing phone calls and lots of huge amounts of data, but also what they can do is automate tasks and more and more of them over time. What that means is that your workforce does more meaningful work, they add more value. We give some real examples of that. And your organization means that these AI agents, they don't sleep, they don't need holidays, and they're very accurate. It means that your organization becomes optimized, becomes more efficient, more effective. So we've got this white paper, download it, read it, you learn a lot about where the world is going and where your business is going. This is a massive shift in, you know, just organizational design, um, having a having a virtual workforce as well as a, a human workforce, how they work together, how they augment each other, how you have um, humans in the loop. Well the the potential of AI agents to enhance productivity and reduce cost across organization is huge. We have one use case in um, healthcare we'll we'll, we'll go into detail you know, maybe in the future where the revenue is kind of locked really. Often our clients talk about revenue yep. growth. So the revenue is kind of locks you in healthcare and it, you get what you get. And what the agents do is make it more efficient, optimize their the delivery of the services. So actually their cost goes down, so it grows their profit. But typically agents, they help you grow revenue and reduce costs in the middle. is more profit and uh, more valuable businesses. Exactly. So if we, if we think about it really simply, in any business, you have your human workforce. They are, have a job description. They're trained, they're onboarded, and they're supported to make sure that they do their tasks as needed. The thing is, in every single workday, there's a certain number of tasks they can do. So let's just give an example. Like there was one role that we're talking about. I won't be specific, but their job is to contact like a lot of people and verify information about those people. So for example, that person can call three people an hour because they have to call them, update the data systems based off that, and at the same time, then go to the next person. And they may not reach those people as well when they try and call them, so then they're losing those time. But that person, so one staff member, can reach you know three people an hour, you know six hours a day of phone calls, probably not doing six hours a day of phone calls, but let's just say 18 people, for example. Then it also means that they also have to do other tasks, like let's just say they also need to order some things or they need to update some policies or documents. So there's there's a capacity limit to it. AI agents are where they can, like Pierce said, they can actually take over certain parts of workflows and certain types of tasks. So the voice agent is quite a clear, simple example because the voice agent could call four people at the same time 
at the optimal time. So let's just say, for example, you think morning between 8 and 9 a.m. or lunchtime between 12 and 1 p.m. or evening between 6 and 7 p.m. Let's say they're the optimal times. Normally, a person can only call three people between 8 and 9, three people between 12 and 1, and three people between 6 and 7. So that's the maximum you could reach, nine people. No. And if you don't reach them, you can't go there. AI could then do groups of 50 or 100 during those windows, capture the data for more people. So AI agents can literally be the assistant of your team members. That's what we call by augmenting. So more stuff gets done. So that's one example. Let's talk about a different example. Imagine you work in procurement. So you're buying supplies for different businesses. And obviously, the cost of the supplies is very important. So you've got a few people that you're keeping an eye on and you're searching and you're maybe you've even got some Google alerts set up for certain things. But with an AI agent that was basically a price comparator, what it could be doing is every single day it could be looking on say 50 to 100 places and it could also potentially be putting in dynamic requests for proposal places in different areas and it could be updating you on different pricing opportunities that come in so like we talked about a while ago how ai agents can ruthlessly optimize for cost in this job that's what you're trying to do so an ai agent that was deal- dealt with procurement could really enhance the productivity of the person because generally speaking you know like imagine you're looking at the whole supplies list of a company that person who works in procurement can only contact a certain number of places a day and they can only focus on a certain number of the highest value use cases. But with an AI agent that's also doing it, it could actually optimize all those different areas. The same thing comes for training. The same thing comes for um, you know HR, interviewing, screening candidates. It also comes for customer success, like following up with every single one of your customers that bought something, asking if they got any problems. Again, AI agents can do these things. So the thing to think about here is you really, if you don't have any kind of AI agent doing tasks for you or helping you engage your customers better or helping you identify cost savings better or helping you expand your capacity to reactivate inactive customers. What are you doing basically, right? Because you're losing money. Like, I mean, we, we've talked with companies where they maybe get 5,000 leads a month and they said, we we, we try and recall each person three times, but we, we found that because of the staff that we've got and we've lost a few people, we can only keep call each of these leads once. So that there's all these people that we didn't reach because we reached 70% on the first time, 30% we never did. So if it's like, let's just say 5,000, then, you know, a third of that, you know, was not reached, you know, 1,300 or more, basically, you know. The key thing here is we have almost accepted a certain amount of waste and we've almost accepted a certain amount of like opportunity loss within business because we only have a certain number of staff and we only have a certain number of hours in the day. And that's just the consistent narrative. But with AI agents, you can rethink and say, actually, let's increase the capacity in this team. Let's increase capacity in this team. Let's increase capacity in this team. And this is this is where the wins come from. The wins don't come from like you, you suddenly release some groundbreaking new solution or product that no one's ever heard for and everyone's excited. That's not how you win. You win by doing the, the, the standard stuff better, more consistently, more predictably. And this is what AI is there for. So really, that's what we do, isn't it? So it's it's literally going through every process and workflow, say, how can I automate it? How can I augment the people doing that? The what I'll, I'll, yeah, what I've talked about there is things that humans do, right? A lot of our AIs that we're deploying with our clients, they do things that humans can never do, just in terms of the scale of the data, the speed they do things, where they can access information. So what the, the other side of this coin is that if you're not augmenting people with artificial intelligence so they can do the things they want to do we say this every week why the hell they're going to come and work for you and as a research said that we mentioned last week the mckinsey research is that once you start getting ahead you know will smith sora we talked about earlier that curve starts to kick off it becomes very very hard to catch up and when we and when what we realize with our clients we talk about this podcast and what we do and we, we do meetings and pitches is that 
people are going to look at you sometimes a bit like a rabbit in headlights. Like, what the hell? Well, they're talking about where is this going? And the point is, is that what we always say is, don't worry about that too much. Just get on the pitch. And I don't really like football, but I always use a metaphor. Get on the pitch and kick the ball around and just work out what is the power of it? How can I speed things? Alex's point, capacity. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're all trying to do is create machines, aren't we? That make money. Capacity is the big one. Like expanding capacity and then, you know, like for frontline customer support, also analytics on what people are looking for. We're talking about a different business where they were saying that we were going after certain types of company. And I was mentioning to them like, well, you know, you could have an AI agent that's looking for the bad reviews of people that weren't happy with other services or other things like this and like look things. So I think what I'm trying to say is that like there are significant opportunities before you start working your way down the, the field. But just think in the basics of capacity. I mean, like, for example, in, in medical, there's always a big workforce issue. And then the whole point here is you need to get more done with less people because we're all living longer and we're all getting more diseases and we're all expecting more stuff. So capacity is one of the big things. And, and, and ultimately, for different factors, you also get like complexities when you have a certain number of humans in a particular workforce. Then you have complexities based on like, you know, culture, this, that, and all that kind of stuff. So all I'm trying to say is that like, you definitely need to have like a well-maintained and well-motivated team, but you also want to really, really give serious thought to like, how can AI agents expand our capacity, provide a buffer capacity, almost provide a kind of like a fallback layer so that you, you've got the continuity systems of what's going on. And right now in our news section, what you just need to think about is like, every time we talk about news, and we say like this has happened this has happened this has happened just imagine it's like a new capability that's arranging arising within your business like how could you use that what would you do with that you know and there's there's so many things ranging from you know social media what you're gonna see isn't it is that now we talk about kind of discrete agents looking at discrete tasks and they're very good at it but increasingly we're working on the different ways of doing this is to make them communicate make them collaborate make them learn now you've got a team actually so you can have a team of AI agents, quite there, yeah, but it's coming, supporting your human team, and in some cases even, managing them. So essentially you have humans in the loop. Now, what the human in the loop currently does is management oversight QA and adding that kind of human insight. But eventually you might find the AIs are the ones actually controlling and telling the humans where they should actually go and be applying their human capabilities these five people talked to these ones like i saw a very nice video actually so we we can we can talk about this it was basically um showing this is this company's called indoor robotics and they show a drone which basically is a small indoor drone and it, and it docks on this kind of pad which is in the ceiling basically it looks like a small light and what that drone does is then it then it does security inspections so it then de-docks flies around the place it identifies you know is there a person here is there a window open is there a door open is there some unnatural wa water leakage there's something like this so it's basically replacing the guard walking around everywhere so you could have a guard that could be like managing an enormous building and you've got the fleet of drones that kind of like go around and doing the different checks and then when it's needed they alert the person so what i'm trying to say like it just expands your capacity and these ai agents can be you know digital or in this way they can also be physical as well basically isn't it you know so I mean, eventually, you know, different podcasts, we have embodied AI, drone. so the actual guard. The drone is like, kind of like that, <laughs> isn't it? So, yeah. Well, it hasn't, hasn't got hands and feet. It's got to go and tell a human to do something. But this is coming. So all we're trying this podcast really is educate you about AI for business news. We go through a theme to try and help you 
understand how that can be applied in, in the real world. We've got increased number of case, we don't tend to use names because they're clients. We've got increasing number of case studies, real world examples of how this is changing. And we can, I'm standing up actually, you probably sit down a lot, but we can sort of say that our clients, it is transforming their businesses. And I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been an investor for many years. I work with businesses of all sizes. And it's, it's fascinating. It's exciting to see what they can actually do with technology. So if you haven't read our white papers, Go and read the first one, AI City Organization Toolkit uh, is up there, the QR code, and read this one because this one is going to explain to you what the future of your workforce and employment is uh, is going to look like. And increasingly, the talent that matters is going to be expect- going to be interviewing you about how you've been all met them, so they don't have to do all the crap that they don't like doing. AI of the week is an obvious one. It's Sora. You can't play with it annoyingly. Um, I know some people have got access to it, but they're under NDA. But um, go and look at the OpenAI blog. There's lots of videos on YouTube as well. Just It's S-O-R-A. And just go and look at the capability and the quality of its output. And go and look at 11 labs. So it's 11, that number 11 labs. And go and look at how they've added then audio and soundscapes and over the top of that. And you'll see that within two years, you will be creating your own, don't know quite how long, or videos or TV programs on the fly. Right, so as we always say, sign up for AI Insider newsletter, download the white papers, have a look at our training academy. Um, if you want to know more about how we can in your business, get in contact with us. That's it for this week. I'm going to be in Budapest at the weekend a lot. We've taken away belated birthday present. And then next week, we're going to start gearing up for our... Um, the various events that we're doing. So please do look out for our posts. If you've signed up to us already, you'll get some emails about the events. It'd be fantastic to meet you in person. Come down and see us. It's worth getting on a train. Uh, it's transformative. And Elite Business Live is a great event to be at as well by a good friend of mine, Scott, who puts that on. So that's it for this week. This is the AI Assisted Organization podcast. Goodbye for myself, Piers Lanier, and Dr. Alok Shukla. We'll see you again next week. See ya.